Welcome into the JPN Hack Show, part of the Field of 12 Media Network. This is season one, episode nine. This thing is flying by. Presented by our partners over at Bet River Sportsbook. I am Joshua Perry, of course, with my co-host Christian Hackenberg. How you doing, my guy? Doing good, my man. Excited. Here we go. It, dude, it, it has as as long as this has been going on, it has felt um it has felt like like it hasn't been that long, if that makes yes. sense. You know, you and I have been going back and forth. I've really enjoyed this. It's been a lot of fun. But no, this, um, this has been a blast. I mean, it has. I mean, the, the season is like what five five more weeks, right? Yeah, I mean, we're we're pretty much over the hump. You know, halfway yeah. point is behind us, uh, and we've got we've got some matchups coming up, and we'll get into a couple of those down the line. But a uh, quick recap: just go through scores here from the weekend. Uh, Michigan State visited Indiana. They won twenty to fifteen. Minnesota beat Nebraska thirty to twenty three. Purdue with the big upset over Iowa. It. You called it <laughs> 24 to seven. And, and there was a formula. We'll talk about that game, but there was a formula. Um, right. Wisconsin got the win over army 20 to 14 Northwestern over Rutgers, which I did not anticipate 21 to seven. Um, as we go through the AP top 25, you got Ohio state in there at number five, Michigan actually flip flop with Penn state over the bye week uh, for both of them. So Michigan at six, Penn State at seven, Michigan State at nine, Iowa at 11, Purdue in the top 25 for the first time since 2007. Just snuck their way in there. Um, So let's go through this Michigan State-Indiana deal real quick before we get to the big game of the week um, because I wanted to get your thoughts on something. And we've talked about this Michigan State team is one that has been very explosive. Weapons everywhere, right? Peyton Thorne throwing the ball, did a pretty good job of taking care of it for the bulk of the season. Kenneth Walker running the ball, Jaden Reed, Jalen Naylor catching the football. Um, they had some real offensive issues on Saturday. 241 total yards. Peyton Thorne threw a couple of picks, which is something he doesn't do. Walker was held to 87 yards on 23 carries. Um, so offensively, it looks like there's a little bit of a book out now on how to defend Michigan State. Yeah, I mean, there's to me, there's a lot of elements that can go into that. Obviously, the turnovers don't help, and that's something you can't have. And something that you mentioned, they have not done all year, and they've done a really good job of putting a high emphasis on that. But this Indiana team, I mean, they, they did hold Penn State 24 points. I really think Tom Allen up there can get that side of the ball playing well against anybody. I don't think it's a panic button situation for Michigan State. I don't even know if there's necessarily a book out there. I just think like anything and like any growing program and growing and developing offense, there's going to be some, some hiccups in there. And really you don't want that at this point in the season for Michigan state, but I think that there's still a very, very dangerous offense and at any point in time can gash you, especially with Naylor and Reed outside. And as long as they can establish some form of run game with Kenneth Walker, I think that that puts their quarterback in a really good situation to be able to work off play action. Like we've talked about all year. Um, and I just don't think they really got in a rhythm against Indiana to be able to do that. They didn't establish the run as well as I think they wanted to. And, it forced them to be in uncharted territory 
um, for that week. So maybe it is, maybe it's not, but I, I, I do expect them to be able to come out and, and be fine. And they're going to have to be if they want to survive the last, the last five games of their schedule. Yeah, I agree with that lack of rhythm that you mentioned for Michigan State. They just look like they never really found it. The only reason I said that there might be a little bit of a book out there on them is you can couple this performance against Indiana with the one that they had against Nebraska, where Nebraska was really able to challenge them and limit them offensively. Um, And I'm curious if there's some overlap between the game plans. And I guess that'll be a deep dive for me to look at um, this week. But in terms of Indiana, this is a team that I think the record isn't reflective of how good they could have been this year. Um, they have, I guess, four losses to teams that are, you know, top 11 teams or whatever the case is. Um, you know, Michigan State, they lost to Iowa early. They had Cincinnati and they played Penn State already. And then they're going to play Ohio State this upcoming week. Like, it's been tough. Yeah. And the teams that they have lost to are combined like 24 and two or 24 and three or something like that on the season. So again, it's not like they've been out here losing to a bunch of bad football teams. It's just, they got a difficult schedule. Um, Michael Penix Jr. is out. Jack Tuttle is filling in. And I want to take a moment to acknowledge two things is number one, um, Tuttle wasn't great but he kept the offense moving enough. And I'm not exactly sure there are a lot of backup quarterbacks in college football right now that can do that because of the transfer portal. The second thing I want to acknowledge is when Michael Penix was really good and fully healthy last year, how big of a difference maker that guy was because we've seen him kind of banged up this year. And then we've seen the Indiana offense with Jack Tuttle and it's night and day. Yeah, I agree. I, I think Penix that that really hurts, and I, 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 I can't stress enough the point you made about how tough the Big Ten East is right now. I think Indiana would be a contender in the ACC right now. They'd probably They'd be, the be best playing. Team. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they but they'd probably be, you know, right there. I'm not going to say they'd give Oklahoma a run for their money, but even in there in the Big Twelve, I think they'd be okay. Um, it's just they're in a, they're in a gauntlet right now, man. They're in a blender. I think that East is just so strong top to bottom and you really can't, you can't get caught in that stage of, uh, I guess, establishment. You, you have to keep plugging away and you have to keep, you have to keep winning ball games. You can't, you can't expect the other teams to, to give you opportunities. You got to go take them. Uh, and I think Indiana hasn't been able to do that. And I think what you were saying with Penix being in and out of the lineup and I, I You've said it all year, and I don't know if he's been 1,000% healthy. He is a difference maker. He's very much so the Sean Clifford of that team as mm. it pertains to Penn State. He he really makes things go. Um, it definitely a tip of the cap to Tuttle because you make a, a very great point about the transfer portal and how much that has affected the depth of specifically the quarterback position due to the fact that there's only one of them on the field <laughs> at any point in time and all these yep. kids want to go play. So you don't see a lot of kids really um, sticking it out and trying to develop and compete. You know, they're, they're just going elsewhere to try and go play because that's what they want to do. So, um, you know, I think for Indiana, they just got to keep plugging. Um, the, no, no fast track to being a contender is is out there. There's no blueprint to it. You just have to 
to buy into what the head coach is preaching, buy into that culture, keep developing it and, and get some players in there and keep rolling. So um, I, I, I'm not, I'm not too worried about Indiana. I just think they're in a really tough side of the division and, and they'll be, they'll be all right. Yeah. That's where I'm at. I'm not down on them at all. I've said this before, but I totally believe that if you're a team that is in the middle of a build process, it's like playing the stock market. It's never a straight line from the point where you enter the market to the point where you feel like you achieved whatever your goals were. They're going to be ups yep. and downs and ebbs and flows. Um, and that's what the build process of a team is. So for the team to take a step back in terms of record, I don't think is necessarily a bad thing as long as you feel like you're still developing the culture and, and you've got valuable reps out there. So maybe that's this year for Indiana. Um, Want to move on to this Purdue-Iowa game uh, because obviously that was – it was a big deal in college football. This kind of changed the landscape, obviously nationally for the college football playoff race, but also um, in the Big Ten West, which we will talk about in the next segment. But it was the big upset of the week. Purdue won 24-7. Um, when you look at this game, it was a thorough dismantling of Iowa offensively and defensively. David Bell, the wide receiver for Purdue, went for 240. Aiden O'Connell, who's the starting quarterback in a three-quarterback system that they run, was 75% completions uh, for 375 yards. The defense was spectacular. And that's one thing that I talked about that did not get enough credit was how good the Purdue defense has been this year. Um, they picked off Spencer Petrus on the first drive. He got picked off three more times after that. Iowa's an offense, only gained 271 yards. Again, David Bell went for 240 receiving alone. Iowa's offense only gained 271 the whole game. Um, basically couldn't do anything right. Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean – I, I, I went back and I told you this, I think, in our first podcast, how much I liked Aiden O'Connell. And I know mm -hmm. that there was some issues with him, um, but I really, really like that kid. I think he's got a lot of shit to him. Um, he is a very, very pure passer. When you watch his technique, he's, yes. he's, he's super, super solid. His feet are fantastic. Um, throws a very, very catchable football. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna get off my Aiden O'Connell man crush now, but I, I want to give a big tip of the cat to that kid because I do I do love his story. I think he's he went in there as a walk on and competed, and now you know just beat the number two team in the country and has them moving in the right direction. Um, David Bell's a kid who's obviously super super special. You you've mentioned him throughout the year as well, and I I just feel that again, it goes back to everything we were talking about, about Iowa and, and the blueprint and how to beat them. And I just think Purdue was the first team to be able to do it. I think Penn State was kind of on that fast track before Clifford yeah. went down and then they didn't have the depth at the quarterback position to be able to move the ball efficiently. And Purdue just really, you know, they, they, they did it. They did it really well. They won the field position battle. They got up on them. They tried to turn it. They got up on them and Iowa, something that we've said Iowa is not built to be able to climb out of that hole. If they go down two scores, I think that they're, if they go down two scores, I think against anybody in the country, it's going to be tough because it puts them in situations where their offense can't, can't operate in the manner that they want to. Yep. And, and that was the thing that you had talked about last week was what happens when they go down a couple scores, are they going to be yeah. able to find the offensive firepower and I personally think that it's tough for them to do so, but it's not impossible as long as there's creativity within the offensive game plan. 
And I think that was one of the biggest things that stood out to me watching the game from this weekend is like the example is you got a third and two, you run a quarterback sneak, you don't get it. So on fourth down, you sneak it again. Like that to me is a failing in play calling because that's obviously, (laughs) don't get me started. You know, a third and two is a situation if you know you're going for it on fourth down where you can do some different things. You know that from the play calling conventions. I know that from being a former defender, having to sit there and be like, okay, I know this coach likes to go for it on fourth down. So we got to be ready for everything on third down as a defense. Um, They didn't take that opportunity. That's the kind of stuff where you you start to peel back the onion. And it's like, man, like what other, what other opportunities were there that they couldn't capitalize on? Yeah. It's just, I think, I think, you, you learned a lot about Petrus. I think he's, he's a, he's a good kid for that system. But again, you know, when you put him in situations where he has to throw the ball consistently and it's not dependent upon him working off play action, like that big fourth quarter touchdown he threw against Penn state kind of schemed up really well with what they were doing with the running game. And it, it put Penn state's defensive backs in a, in a, in a real bind. Um, it's, I just don't think he can really consistently execute when that's what they're asking him to do in terms of a pure drop back. And then I don't think – not necessarily all on him. I just don't think Iowa has the guys outside to separate and win consistently. I agree. In that, in that manner either, when everybody in the stadium knows they're dropping back. And yeah. I think you, you, make a, you make a good point. I think you can definitely scheme it up offensively, but it's tough when your whole identity has been – let's pound the rock, let's establish the run, let's get some creative screen game here and then work off play action the majority of the majority of the day. And yeah. when, you, when you can't do that and that's what you've been all year and that's what's got you to the point where you're the number two team in the country and then you get punched in the mouth and you have to go do something else, even as a coaching staff, I think that's hard to do. And, and to your point, I mean, if they'd have gotten that first down on the quarterback sneaks, like we probably wouldn't be talking about it. Right. Like that's our job as the media is to always, is to always, you know, yeah, do that. But um, it's, it's just tough. And I think you brought up a great point. It, it has really shuffled the West. You know, I think it's, I think the West now is, is pretty open. And I think that's, there's some opportunities for some teams now, uh, Purdue being one of them. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that. And just kind of looking at the play, uh, the the breakdown here, just to run past balance, like Iowa was pretty balanced just in terms of attempts, 32 passing attempts, 30 rushing attempts. Um, but the issue was they averaged 2.5 yards a carry, right? And yeah. so you talk about that play action, which is what they like to do. And they came out the gate on that first drive trying to open up the field too, right? They wanted to loosen up that secondary a little bit still couldn't get the yards on the ground. And once the secondary felt comfortable understanding that they weren't getting that push up front, they could make it more challenging for, you know, an Iowa skill core that's just lacking explosion. Yeah. Yeah. They're just, they're just okay. They're, they're just okay. And they're, they're good for their scheme, but they're, they're a team that really, once you get them out of that, I think they struggle. I agree with that. Uh, real quick, just to touch on the Iowa defense, because that had kind of been the story of the year, the way those guys were playing. Um, it's it's wild. The big play breakdown. So passing plays of 15 or more 
they had nine of those given up as a defense, including one of 60 yards and one of 47 yards. Um, that right there is an easy way to lose a football game, but you couple that with the fact that they didn't take the ball away how they had done it in previous games. And we asked that question. I said I was going to stop asking that question. Yeah. And then the minute I stop, we get the answer. So there we go. But, um, you know, it's, I, that'd be a crazy thing to look at, too. I, I don't even know if they've given up that many explosives the entire season. Uh, it would it would be it would be close. I mean, I don't I, mean, I don't think they'd given up a play of, of 40, 50 or 60 yards probably coming in. Right. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I don't think so. That's nuts. I, I mean, that is that's a, that. <laughs> that is a quick way to get get kicked in the nuts real fast. Yeah. And look, I've been on the uh, on the wrong side of some of those where dudes are freaking throwing bombs over Baghdad. Uh, not mm -hmm. exactly ideal, but it's tough to win football games like that. But uh, yeah. we'll, we'll keep it moving on here. Let me tell you about our sponsors over at Bet River Sportsbook. If you haven't signed up yet, Bet Rivers is offering a $250 match bonus for your first deposit. But what sets them apart from everyone else is that they require just one playthrough to turn that bonus into cash money. With their new Rush Pay instant approval, withdrawals are not only fast, they are safe, secure, and reliable. Go to betrivers.com today or download the Bet Rivers iOS app. Must be 21 years or older. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Support for today's episode of the JPN Hack Show comes from Manscaped, the world's leader in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped has launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. It's sleek, well-designed, precision, and a precision-engineered trimmer. And I got to tell you, I was blown away by the performance. Now, typically, you go out there, you know, you got your razor, might be good, might be bad. You can feel it tugging. You can feel it pulling. You can even nick yourself up. I know Christian loves when I talk about my balls, but not with the Manscaped trimmer. The way that Manscaped engineered the ultimate groin and body trimmer was simple. They focus on intelligent functionality and providing a comfortable grooming experience. The Lawnmower 4.0 was developed with their trademark skin safe technology, which includes cutting edge ceramic blade that reduces snags and nicks. You need to be confident in any tool you use on your family jewels. The Lawnmower 4.0 also has a 4000K LED spotlight, an attachment that allows you to change the length of your trim in a wireless charger. Most importantly, you want to make sure you're not using the same trimmer on your nuts and your face. That is just nasty. So head on over to manscaped.com where you will get 20% off and free shipping with the code JPHack. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com if you use the code JPHack. As a user of the Lawnmower 4.0, trust me when I say your balls will thank you. So getting into the segment two here, our big thoughts for this week, I put up the West standings and yeah. I wish I had like a good looking matrix up here with the standings and then like the, uh, the remaining schedule and it looked real nice and clean, but you know, I, yeah, <laughs> I'm old well, well, I, yeah. I type, I type this with two fingers, so. Yeah, you've been hitting the head a few times. Yeah, I definitely have. Um, but I'll run through the standings real quick, and then we can talk about how this thing shapes up. So I was sitting up there still at number one, and that is because they've played more games in the West. Um, all these first three teams are one-loss teams in the West. So it's Iowa, Minnesota, and Purdue. Then you have Wisconsin, 
and Northwestern as two lost teams in the West. And then you have Illinois and Nebraska, Nebraska all the way at the damn bottom. There are one and four in conference play. Um, and this is, I'm sorry, not losses in the West per se, just conference losses here. Um, but as you look at this, you have three teams with one conference loss and then two teams with two conference losses that are all kind of in the picture. Once you break it down, though, you kind of look at the remaining schedule, and this is where it gets interesting. If you want to be any of these teams, in my opinion, you probably want to be Minnesota or Iowa. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, because I'm looking Purdue. You don't want to be Purdue. They got Nebraska, which Nebraska can't close games, but they have crossovers versus Michigan State and Ohio State, and their rival is uh, Indiana, so that's that's bad. Um, Yeah. Wisconsin got some work to do. I I feel like Northwestern was a little bit of an aberration. What are you seeing here? Like, if this thing shapes out, do you see it kind of remaining in this order? Do you see a situation where Minnesota or Purdue can jump over Iowa? Or do you think Iowa is still really in the driver's seat of this thing? I mean, I think Iowa, Iowa can control their own destiny, right? I mean, if they, if they go out and win it, it Purdue, Purdue definitely has the toughest slate it's in front of them. Miserable. Yeah, but, but Minnesota and Iowa, I think, have a chance. I mean, if Minnesota goes out there and beats Iowa, now, now you're talking, now you're talking it's wide open. Um, as long as Minnesota wins out. So, it, again, we're, we're sitting here talking about the West, and it's as wide open as it is. It's also, you know, not even, not even as wide well, – I mean, it's, it's less wide open than – or more wide open than the East when you think about it with what, how, how, how end of the schedule – heavy the east is in terms of you know matchups of the top teams over there too so it's just the big 10 man it's been it's been it's gonna be it's gonna be a slugfest here so i'm really excited to see it but i if i if i was to take a bet i mean i think iowa ends up cleaning things up and finishing it but i think minnesota is the team that has a chance to get up in there and 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 make some real noise if they if if there is a sleeper in that side i think it's i think it's still minnesota and pj fleck yeah that is a sleeper and they're a uh, a team that builds and the thing that's really interesting about the way that shapes up too is minnesota's got the win over purdue right mm-hmm. so if they pull off the win over iowa i think the there's not really much of a conversation about who's running the west Right. right. If Iowa's able to pull off a win over Minnesota, then you've got Purdue with the win over Iowa, Iowa with a win over Minnesota, Minnesota with a win over Purdue. Right. And yeah. so that shows maybe a little bit more of the parody, but then it's a it's just a weird situation. And then I don't know what happens with tiebreakers and all that stuff. I don't fucking I don't make schedules. I just I look right. at them. Um, yeah. So this thing will be interesting. Nonetheless, and yeah. then you got Wisconsin there. If they can build into something, which I'm I'm not necessarily convinced they can, but um, you know, if they can build into something, they're they're gonna work themselves back into the conversation. Same thing, Northwestern now, uh, with two losses in conference. Are they on the outside looking in a little bit? Maybe, but could they figure this thing out? Who knows? So 
Yeah, I mean, they got Minnesota, Iowa, and Wisconsin left. So, you know, they got to they got to saddle up there and, and really, <laughs> really really buckle in. But if they if they they pull it off, you know, good for them. Yeah, I will say if you talk about bad draws in terms of crossover games for Northwestern, they had the Michigan State game early this year, and then they're playing Michigan this week. Um, yeah. So not exactly the best draw if you're trying to win this thing in the West, but you got to win the games as they're put out for you. It's the same thing with Indiana. You can make the same case. It stinks, but that's just how the schedule happens. So got to play um, it. Got to play it. So let's go through this last segment. We got uh, w- what week are we on? Week seven, week seven yeah. previews. Um, and we'll just, we'll rip through all these games real quick. There aren't any, I don't think nationally there are any top 25 matchups this week. So it's going to be maybe some surprises, but hopefully Mm -hmm. a quiet weekend. Um, Northwestern visiting Michigan, Michigan 24 point favorite over under is 51 per our friends over at Bet River Sportsbook. Um, I said it earlier. I think what Northwestern did a week ago might be a little bit of an aberration a fresh team coming off of a bye. They're playing a Rutgers team that was coming off of a miserable stretch of playing Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State, you know, looking ahead toward a bye week. Maybe they were just trying to get there. Um, I'll be very curious to see if Northwestern's improvements are for real. But also, if you're Michigan, I think this is a maturity game because now you're coming off of a bye and you're probably looking ahead to the October 30th game. Um, you got to go out there and you can't look bad versus Northwestern. Yeah, I agree. I think Michigan has, has really made a strong case for themselves this year up into this point. And they, they've, they've had a couple of those maturity games that we've labeled already as well. And they've, they've performed. I mean, they've, they've done what they needed to do. I, I really do like this Michigan team because I think defensively, they're better than they're probably getting a lot of credit for. Agreed. And then I think offensively, they also are doing some things. I think Cade is the perfect guy up there for them, McNamara, just to facilitate. He doesn't try to play outside of himself. He plays within the system and, and executes. And as long as they can establish the run the way that they've been able to, which I think they will, um, due to the fact that I think their front, their front line is extremely physical. Um, I think they're going to be in positions to play with anybody. Um, so ultimately, yeah, I think they definitely have to go out here and, and put a statement game on Northwestern, especially heading into that, the meat of the schedule. So, um, but I am excited for this Michigan team. I think, I think it's the first legitimate chance for them to really make a run at, at winning, winning that game that you know a lot about which I think Harbaugh is really – he has to do. Um, and, uh, you know, make a push for the Big Ten title. Yeah, and th- that's what they're building up to. And I think that is um, – it's going to be an inflection point for their program is being able to beat their in-state rival and then being able to beat Penn State um, and then being able to beat Ohio State. I think those are three big goals, right, because you can look – as a Michigan fan and you can be um, satisfied with what they've done. And I would be, but at the same time, 
when you're trying to compare yourself to the Ohio States and the Penn States, it's about the big wins, the big marquee victories. Um, so this will definitely be one for them to get back right after the bye week to make sure that they're ready to go as they head into play uh, Michigan State there. Next game, uh, Illinois at Penn State. The uh, Nittany Lions are favored by 23 over under 46 and a half. I, I hope for the sake of Penn State that this is a very boring game. Uh, you don't want anything exciting happening here because it probably means it's not a good thing for the old yeah. Nittany Lions. Um, don't know a lot about Clifford's health status. Won't sit here and speculate. I thought um, Taekwon Roberson did some really interesting things in the run game. Uh, he is really, really athletic. Um, I, and I also think it was a really bad time for him to come into a football game to try to throw the ball the way that I was yeah. playing defense. So his performance of Sean Clifford's out, I think is going to be something that everybody's really focused in on. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's the talking point of the game is, you know, I think it would be probably healthy for Penn state to not have Clifford play this week. Um, because I think this is a team that they could beat without Clifford and beat fairly handily. And it'll be very valuable reps for whoever that is, whether it's Taekwon or um, the other kid. What is it? Christian Villanex or I don't even yeah. know how to say the last name. That's um, I'm not a I'm not a linguist by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> but um, but either one of those guys, I think it'll be a very valuable game for them um, just to get some some live fire. And I think it'll be I think it'll be really good for Yersich too just in preparation um, to really figure out some other things, some, some, some running run, run game deficiencies and be mm -hmm. able to establish some type of thing there and uh, continue to be creative with, with, with Dotson and getting him the football in space. Yeah. I think that, I think that is uh 100% spot on just in terms of being able to work through some things. This week is a good opportunity uh, Maryland at Minnesota. Minnesota's favored by five and a half over under on this one is 54 and a half. Um, I guess I'll say this. For the strength of the Big Ten West, I think Minnesota's got to have this one. For my, for what I want to see out of Maryland, my personal desires for that football team. Yeah. I, I would like to see this be a game where they can have some success they've been banged up i love the way their quarterback plays i think their head coach is really trying to break through with the team um so this one would be a big victory for them however i'm also a big pj fan and yeah. <laughs> minnesota if we want this thing to be good toward the end of the year you feel like you want them to get this win so um, I'll be looking out for Maryland just offensively. Can they kind of get things back on track after two really tough games against good opponents? And for Minnesota, it's all about a build process for them. Yeah, if 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 Minnesota need, wants to make a run at it, it's a must win for them. And I think you 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 hit the nail on the head with for the health of a program. This is also a must win for Maryland from that perspective. It it really has no like they're not going to win the East, but it's, it's going to be good for the health of their football program moving forward if yeah. they get this game and it kind of springboards them to finish the season as strong as possible. Yeah, I mean, think about getting a win over Minnesota. I think that'd be a very solid win for this team. And then 
Uh, they've got four already under their belt. They'd have five after that, and it would put them one step closer to, to bowl eligibility, which I think would be big for Maryland as well. Um, yep. So, I, you know, there's, there's something on the line here, I think, for both of them. If you're Maryland, your chances start to dwindle as you get, obviously, close to the back of that schedule. Like I said, everything's alive for Minnesota. Really, really interesting there. Um, this, one is, this one is funky as hell. Wisconsin is visiting Purdue who is now ranked in the top 25, Wisconsin's unranked, and they struggled this year. They are a three-point favorite in this game. Um, so this is part of my – a part of my mentality is Purdue went on the road to get an emotional victory over a really good team. And now they come home, and it's going to be in front of a crowd that's very favorable – don't know if it's going to be super hyped up, whatever the case is. Like, that's the only thing that leads me into Purdue could struggle. Um, because I think their offense can match up. And I think defensively they can give Wisconsin all they want to handle because Wisconsin's offense hasn't shown me a lot this year. This is yeah. really interesting. I think it is similar to the Iowa-Purdue game last year, last week that you were saying Iowa comes off a really emotional win against Penn state. And it was, it was the quintessential trap game, yeah. right? Like the Purdue coming in there, you know, focused. I think this is also a trap game for Purdue, um, how the tides have turned, but um, I, I would love to see and hope that Purdue is a mature enough team to understand that. And I mm. would assume that the coaching staff is very, very in tune with that. Buddy. But, so let me, let me get, let me get in on that point. Yeah. I was there in the summer to watch them. And then I was actually in West Loff um, Tuesday. Right. And I watched a little bit of their practice. Their coaching staff is a bunch of raving lunatics. They are yelling at guys, chasing them down to the sideline, yelling at them, like very, very demanding. So if there's one thing that you hope comes from that is that maturity that you talked about yeah. is that the coaching staff can make sure that they stay focused. Um, that would be something to watch because I, I know that has been a point of emphasis for that program. Yeah, I mean, thick skin, right? Like like Purdue can't afford to to have letdown games, right? Like they – as emotional and as awesome that win was last week, they need to be able to flush it just as much as if it was a shitty loss Agreed. and move on and come out and, and still play at that level for the rest of the year. If they want to, if they want a chance, because they're, it's just what they're going to have to do. So I do think this is, this is a trap game. And I think this, the line is, is, is something that Vegas is thinking about as well. But um you know, I, I'd really, I'd really like to see Purdue come out and and keep hitting on all cylinders offensively and and win this game by two scores because I think they have the capability to do so. Yeah, and I, quite honestly, you almost feel like they have earned and and deserve to have a little bit of success the way that mm -hmm. they've been playing this year. Um, this last game, number five Ohio State visiting Indiana, it's going to be a night game. Uh, Ohio State's favored by twenty over under. Is 60 and a half. So here's here are my thoughts is talked about Indiana. I'm not exactly sure that they're as bad as their, their record says. They're yeah. not great by any stretch of the imagination. But I also 
like their defense still has a couple of guys who are all Americans from a year ago. And they've got, um, you know, Ty Freifogel, who is a really good wide receiver that gave Ohio State trouble a year ago. So they've got the makings. But if you're Ohio State and as young as that team is, this has to be a solid, efficient, minimal mistake type of performance coming off of a bye and heading into a really big matchup against Penn State. And it's I feel like a lot of this has been repeated. This is a lot of the story for many of these teams coming off of a bye. You know, you got a game, then you've got the big one coming up next week. How do you respond? But we've seen Ohio State drop one before, and I think a lot of it came – Part of it was, you know, some issues and dysfunction, I think, with how they wanted to do things on the back end. The other part of it is youth. And so you have to see that youth respond coming off of the bye, heading into Indiana, which probably isn't the best environment. It's been better in recent years. They got to play well. Yeah, I agree. I, I just feel like Ohio State has taken some strides the previous two weeks before the bye week offensively to really give me a lot a lot to look forward to for this team and I think they're they're hitting their stride and they're finding themselves right now defensively the one thing that you brought up is they're athletic enough they're going to take advantage of any type of mistake that Indiana makes and if Tuttle or whoever's pulling the trigger um gives them those opportunities. I think Ohio State's going to be able to capitalize. And then offensively, like I was saying, I think they're hitting their rhythm at the right point. Like they're they're not going to get three. Like they're going to get seven. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, I really expect Ohio State to come out and and continue to do what they were doing offensively, continue to grow on that side of the ball. And I think even defensively really, really start hitting even more of a stride. And, you know, that bye week's so valuable, man. You know, and I'm I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here, but just to get guys healthy, get guys on the same page and really yeah. do a little bit of self-scout and self-evaluation. So uh, I know that that coaching staff up there um, hasn't won as many games as they've had by being a bunch of slap dicks. So <laughs> they've definitely done, they've definitely done a lot of that and, and looking at it, looking at themselves in the mirror and trying to figure out ways how to continue to put these guys in, in situations for them to be successful over and over again. So I, I really do think that this is a, a golden opportunity for Ohio State. The youth, yeah, that might be something to look at, but ultimately I think the talent that they have, they're not they're not facing an Oregon team who I think is much better offensively than than the Indiana team. And um I, I, I just don't I just don't foresee Indiana being able to have enough firepower offensively to be able to get it done. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I think straight up Ohio State's going to be the more talented team. You just need them to perform like they have in the last couple of weeks and not like yeah. they did the, the beginning of the football season. But once again, this was a lot of fun uh, recapping and uh, discussing all of your favorite topics in Big Ten football. This is the JPN Hack Show, part of the field of 12 Media Network Season 1, Episode 9, presented by our partners over at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Joshua Perry, Christian Hackenberg, and we will catch up with y'all later.